chapter 8. Some of you who may not know where Ezra is, just go First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. You'll run right into Ezra. Real easy to find. Um, there was a, another testimony that, that came in as you're turning there. Um, a very dear sister of ours from Lyon, France, Patricia, contacted Monica yesterday and gave a testimony. Uh, for many, many years, we've been praying for her husband to make his peace with the Lord and to come into alignment with what God wanted for him. And after 36 years of praying for that, today he was being baptized and he had committed himself to the Lord. So we give thanks to the Lord for that and we look forward to many other answers to prayer and miracles um, that, that God has in, uh, in store for you. Praise God. All right. Um, we're going to read verse 18 and of, of Ezra 8, and then we're going to look at verse 21. And I uh, just want to give you a little bit of a heads up regarding that. But the backdrop of Ezra historically is, of course, the people of God were in Babylonian captivity. And the, the chronology, the timeline of, of uh, many of the characters that we read about in the Old Testament is really amazing because you had, um, you had during that time of the 70 years of captivity, you had, first of all, Daniel and his group being carted away into foreign lands, and all of that intercession and all of that uh, seeking of God was going on, um, and we, we love the story of Daniel. There, therein, uh, several years later, God began to move through Zerubbabel and Joshua the priest to uh, reestablish the temple in Jerusalem, and th this was not at the end of the 70 years, but it was preparing the way. And then you have the story of Esther that uh, most, most historians believe was, uh, was going on during a time that's very famous in history. You know, you had, you had that empire where she was aligned with as a queen, going to war with Greece. You had the Battle of Marathon, which was famous, you know, the, the story about the 300 and all those things. That was going on. And then you had um, God saying, okay, the 70 years is, is coming to a close, and he begins to speak to Ezra and provide a way for Ezra to take people back. And then about 12 years later, or thereabouts, we don't have... a uh, uh, a time tree, but uh, Nehemiah and his group were going back. So that's, that's where we are. But Ezra had a very unique uh, point of ministry, uh, and, and I think that the principles in the way God partnered with him uh, are principles that are still alive today, and we're going to be honoring a couple of these principles this week. Um, Ezra his name means uh, someone who is strong as a shepherd. And you have Azaz and Ra there. And that, that is significant as well. Uh, 
So the word of the Lord comes, and Ezra is going to be able to take a, a very large group of people back to Jerusalem. And here in, in Ezra 8, verse 15, it says, I gathered this horde of people together to the river that runneth to Ahava. Now, that river doesn't exist anymore. Most people think that it was a tributary of some sort. Perhaps it was, perhaps it was like a canal that was dug that linked off of the Euphrates. They don't really know where it is right now. They can guess, but they really don't know. But this was an active tributary at that time. So he gathers all these people, and there we abode in tents for three days. And I viewed the people and the priests and found that there were none of the sons of Levi. Now, it's, it's interesting that he then, he then sends out for uh, a, a group of priests, of Levitical ones to come. He gives specific instructions about finding them because you, you had to have people that were going to minister in that temple. You had to have people that were going to minister in regard to the, um, the things that really made the people who they were, and God provided them. But I think it's interesting that they abode there three days. Now, when you talk about three days, and this is going to be really important for us for this week, most Christians think of the three days that Jesus was in the tomb. And we often say, and rightfully so, that he had to stay there for that amount of time just to prove that he was dead before he was resurrected. Haven't we heard that? That's the standard AG line, and I think it goes back through the Baptists and even some of the folks that are frozen chosen. They, they believe that, and it's true. That's true. But do you know that 75 times in the Bible, 75 times, not 5, not 10, not 20, not even 40, 75 times a three-day period is asserted as being important usually before God does something phenomenal. And some of those examples, and if I don't mention the one that's most, uh, most uh, endeared to you, well, we could be here all day going through all 75. Moses, remember, he went to Pharaoh and he said, let me take the people out into the wilderness for three days so that we can worship our God. Remember, the plague of darkness came upon the land of Egypt during Moses' day for three full days. The people of God had light, but the rest of the people didn't. You remember when uh, Saul's father's donkey got lost, and it was three days, and then Samuel was able to minister to Saul, and there was an anointing to be king. Um, remember three days after uh, Elijah was caught up in the world uh, in the chariot of fire, and there were the sons of the prophets that weren't really willing to let him go, and there were 50 strong prophets. They said, you know what? God may have caught him up there and then lost grip of him and dumped him off in some valley, so let us go out and try to find him. And Elisha said, you're not going to find him. But they said, no, we insist. So they, they went out anyway. And after three days, they came back and said, no, he's, he's gone. And Elisha said, as many of us would, I told you, you shouldn't have gone anyway. Um, mentioned the fact that Jonah was in the whale three days. And remember, Jesus even said, as Jonah was in the whale for three days, so I will be uh, before 
the great miracle that is coming. You remember that the Apostle Paul was blind for three days before, uh, before God sent a messenger to uh, touch him and uh, to, bring, to bring freedom from that blindness and for him to see. I'm kind of mixing these around a little bit. Remember Joshua, the spies, they had to hide for three days. And then when Joshua was going to lead the people across the Jordan, they camped at the side of the Jordan and waited for three days. Um, you remember that um, Nehemiah, even, when he came after Ezra, he came into Jerusalem and then waited there for three days and made his assessment. But here is Ezra. And it begins by saying, I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there we abode in tents three days. Now that, I'm sure, was not just, you know, you know hey, we're going to have to gather everybody. We've got to assess things. You know, we don't want to leave too early. So everybody just, you know, if you've ever taken a tour or been responsible for a group, you say, you be back here in three days or you're going to miss the boat. You know, it wasn't that. This was a prophetic thing. And he, he, uh, he, he asserted this. So they go out and they look for the, those who were from the tribe of Levi to come. And he finds the exact people that God had in store. And there's a message in that too. But um, at the end of that time, verse 21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. And it says, I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. What were they doing during that fast? It says that they afflicted themselves. Now, that sounds awful. It doesn't mean that they had little whips and they were whipping each other and smacking each other in the ear, you know, like two kids in the back seat of the car. We're going to afflict each other, you know, and mom and dad yell from the front seat, you stop that now, stay on your side. You know, what does afflict mean? Well, this verb is used in four ways in, in the Old Testament, quickly. First of all, it meant to have humility, to submit yourself in meekness before God. Secondly, it meant to prepare yourself to be busied for a task. And if you've ever been busied for a task, you know that that has, has its own modicum of affliction, doesn't it? Thirdly, it was used to speak of the cycle of time and the timeliness of a thing so that you don't miss the moment. And that can be a measure of affliction. Some folks that just kind of skip through life, sometimes I wonder how those folks make it. Somehow God gets them where they're going and to the kindness of strangers many times. But if you're prophetically inclined, you, you trust the Lord, but you don't want to miss his moment. You seek after him to obey what he says, and you hearken your ear. You put your ear to the ground, as Scripture says, so that you don't miss that moment. That's another way that this word is used. And the final one is one that we wouldn't expect, but in our last seminar we talked about the singing and the rejoicing at breakthrough. And this word is also used to sing a triumphant song. 
So when they were fasting and they were afflicting themselves there at the river, they were doing all these things. They recognized that they were in a prescribed prophetic time. God had spoken about this time. And anybody who was paying any attention at all knew that at the end of 70 years, they were going back. And this was that, this was that frame. So they adhered themselves to that. Secondly, they wanted to be meek. They knew that they were going out into foreign territory. They knew that they had a lot of wealth. They knew that they had a lot of people. And they knew that there were a lot of vagabonds along the way that would probably try to attack them. And Ezra says, you know what? I was ashamed after we gave all of these great speeches of faith to go to the king and say, hey, could you send us a band of soldiers to keep us safe? So that, in a way, is if you're a leader and you've got a lot of people that are responsible for you, you know, that's its own brand. You can talk about faith and you can talk about all the other great things, blowing the show tart, waving the flag, doing all kinds of great things. But that is a responsibility that you bear before the Lord. And it is a measure of affliction in this regard. And then they also knew that they had a task to do. It was a long journey. But when they got there, the journey was really, when they got to Jerusalem, the journey was just going to begin. And so there was a, a singing. There was a rejoicing in some ways. We don't know what all they did, but that's what affliction means here. And I think that is, that is terrific, don't you? So you got the three days that signifies a divine time frame, and then you have a fast which we know always is one of meekness where we avail ourselves. It's not to get God's attention. Listen, God's attention was already there. God had prophesied this. The, the clock was ticking, and they knew this was when it was going to happen. So they didn't need to get the attention of God. What they needed to do was to be in submission to what he'd promised, and they needed to be in, in a place where they were walking in meekness, not in a haughtiness, but in meekness. And all of these factors were there. Now, when they got to Jerusalem, they, they unloaded all the treasures that were going into the temple. They made an accounting, and they waited for another three days. It was a specific three days. And at this point, Ezra makes a very startling revelation that what was going on in Jerusalem was horrific. He found that there was really no moral code governing the people. He found that those that were supposed to be governing religion had amalgamed themselves with the demons of the land, and they were not very different at all from the, the religions of the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and all the otherites. And he also recognized that there was a lot of intermingling, intermarrying between perhaps uh, the Jewish people who believed in God and those who believed in Baal and those who believed in Dagon and those who believed in Ashtoreth. And these were all things that were horrific and he began to lament, and he begins to pull his hair out in, in anguish before the Lord. You can read about it there, but it was in that three-day period. And so I see 
some incredible things here with Ezra. And it's interesting that during that last part where he was just in anguish, he proclaims something that we talked about a couple of seminars ago, that God had given them a little space of grace. Remember that? A little space of grace. And that God had also given them a nail in the holy place. Those two things were prophetically revealed to Ezra on the heels of coming back at the end of the, of the, of the dispersion, uh, toward the end of the dispersion, um, the miracle of the travel safely, and the fact that they were actually back in Jerusalem, and then he sees all these things. You know, I, I just put a little side note there. The very things that we said that um, Ezra faced during those three days in Jerusalem, we're facing right now in this nation in many ways. And it's, it's really a, a battle of faith to preserve the purity of what God has said in his word without compromising, without intermingling. And, and I, I just think that we can see ourselves in this. And of course, you know, when he said that business about the little, little nail in the holy place, he had to have been remembering what had happened in Zechariah um, prior to his coming. You remember, Zechariah talked about in the 10-4, Zechariah 10-4, the corner, that place of what God has ordained, the nail that nail in the holy place where you believe God has called you to believe for a miracle, the, the, the battle bow, and then the mighty men. This is what Zechariah spoke of, and Ezra had to have been aware of that. So when he spoke about the nail, he was recognizing that this had been prophesied and there had been spiritual warfare conducted in the heavens years before about this very thing, and he laid claim to that place. There's so much prophetic in, in what Ezra said. He was a priest, yes, but there's so much prophetic. He was laying claim to what God had said. He was capturing the moment, and he was remembering what had been spoken beforehand. And these are all important things for us to, to recall. Um, I... Um, that nail also, just remember from past teachings many years ago now, you know, the, 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 that same word was used to talk about lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. That same word was used to talk about um, when Jael killed the, the Syrian general at the direction of the Lord, which is an amazing thing. And um, that also spoke about the the establishment of the tabernacle, where it moved. They put down those pegs, same word. And um, I think all of those factors are things that are realized prophetically in that time before the Lord in the holy place. So why are we bringing this now? Um, we have this week ahead of us two signature moments where we remember what God has said. Three days from now, 
We're going to gather here in prayer. You just heard this announced, so this shouldn't be a shock. And we're going to remember what God has said, what he has given vision of, how he has moved in the past in this, in this area. And we're going to thank him for it. And we're going to ask that there be a stirring of the waters, as it were, to ignite the promises that God has given and to look forward to a greater measure of the fulfillment of what he's promised. And that is a significant moment. It is a significant moment. And, and I'm asking you to spend time before the Lord during these next three days offering some measure of fasting. It'll be different for each of you. I thought about just giving some decree from the Lord, but he wouldn't give me one. Each one of you needs to go before the Lord and say, what would you have me to do in the way of a fast over these next three days? So that when we come here on Wednesday night, we're going to be believing God. Now, I recognize some of you are not going to be able to be here, but you sure can be before the throne. So you be in prayer at that time and watch for that, uh, that Marco Polo thing. We're not trying to be gimmicky. But there are a lot of things that God has shown that I just don't want to cast out there. I just don't want to put them out over the airwaves. You know, we've often said in the past couple of administrations, why tell the enemy what you're going to do? Why say on this date we're moving our troops out? Why say those things? Why give the, Is there some law that we need to tell the enemy or tell those that that are opposed to what God is wanting to do? So this is this is family. And so we'll be sharing some very biblical things. They're not crazy, but there are things that are endeared to us. And so we'll talk about that a little bit on that, on that group outline. But when we come here to pray, let's just seek the Lord and let's believe him for a quickening. The most, most important thing is just rejoice in him, to remember and reflect and be, be happy in the Lord. So then, three days after Wednesday, we're going to have another prayer time where we're believing for um, encouragement to one of our precious um, sister fellowships in Port St. John, Florida. We're going to be standing on behalf of someone that's very dear to all of us. And you know, Robin, all week long, she serves what we do on the, on the web. She's the one that contacts me or... And then I let her know, and we're finished with the broadcast. She comes on and transfers things over. She is faithful as can be with that, and we love her. But I also believe that there are a lot of scenarios that that some of you have been facing. Maybe it's a physical situation. Maybe it's some other chronic thing that doesn't just just doesn't seem to go away. And I believe that it's time for those things to be broken. And I, I believe that we have two factors. We have this week, and this is a prophetic week, we believe the promises of God, what he has shown in vision, what he has shown in dreams, what we've shared in intercession, what we've seen happen already. I mean, I could recount a number of miracles that we've seen transacted right here over the years. And we're going to give praise to the Lord for that. And we're going to ask him for that next space of grace to go forward into what he wants to do next from this 
deposit of his glory. And then we spend another three days. It might be a different kind of fast that you're going to be offering. I don't know what it might be, but we're going to come to, to seek the Lord, but to do so alongside our brothers and sisters in Florida, to believe for that miracle that is that is something we believe God wants to do. But there are a lot of there are a lot of those requests. Some of you again have them in a number of different ways. Where we've talked this morning already in, in, in our Sunday class about the little boy, the ten month old boy in Brazil, where uh, and I've already been in touch with the pastor, and they've responded. I, I just saw they responded. I didn't want to interrupt the sermon to listen. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that word is an encouraging word for them as they're meeting down there. But that little boy that is in ICU, he's comatose with meningitis, and we're believing for a miracle for them. They're believing for that. But there are a lot of things like this. You know, Job was healed when he prayed for the needs of his friends. We're not coming here for us. We're coming here for the Lord. On Saturday, we're coming here to stand on behalf of our brothers and sisters, to stand with them, and to believe for that miracle. But if you have a need, or if there is something in your family or in your household that you're believing God for, come and lay that before the Lord. Make the onus of your prayer an obedience to this prophetic directive, but also to Believe for our brothers and sisters in Florida to be encouraged and strengthened and for Robin to receive this touch. But I believe that God is going to be here, and um, there are going to be many. You know, that was one of the things that we've seen, and we were even instructed early on, that when God begins to move in a certain way, um, that, that presence and that visitation uh, can also... Uh, be, uh, uh, I don't want to say a fixed, but it can influence you where you are in that proximity. And, uh, you know, God has more than enough. So what I'm saying is, first of all, um, Ezra was something that I knew I needed to speak about over a week ago. And um, I also recognize that this measure of fasting is something God wants. I also see these two specific prayer assignments and these two specific three-day periods, and those are significant as well. It's a principle in the Word for the going into the new. And, and I also believe that, you know, the, the one factor that was my initial thought um, that was, was leading to this initial perception of speaking from Ezra was where we're going, where God is, as God is beginning to open the doors again into the nations for travel. Um, we're, we're going to need to trust him in ways beyond what we faced before. Uh, we're going to need to rely upon him for his protection, for his provision. We've always believed that, but there. There are new factors at play in the nations right now. There are geopolitical factors. There are different types of plagues that are spreading through. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid, but I also feel a responsibility for those that would travel. And that's the biggest concern I have. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. You know that I feel that way. 
And I, I, I believe as Ezra did, you know, we're going to go. We know there are challenges. We're not going to be afraid of them, but we're going to fast and we're going to wait on the Lord because this is his timing. And as we go forth, God's going to protect us. And I know that there were prophetic insights that said that were kind of warnings. You better pray because we know that whenever God wants to do something, the enemy tries to obstruct it. He always tries to to hinder it or to break the momentum. We need to stand against that. You know what Nancy spoke about in her testimony and what Les reiterated? Um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and that litany of of things that the Apostle Paul speaks about. That, that's very real. We don't preoccupy on it, but then again, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. So we rely upon our God, and we're believing for his protection, for his provision, certainly for his direction. That is, that's essential. But we have a remembrance on a specific point that is beloved in this sanctuary by our entire congregation and by our saints network. And we need to reflect on that and we need to, we need to give thanks to the Lord and believe that he's activating this in a new way for this season and that we are, we're going to be partnering with him in it. And then we need to believe for a real-time visitation on behalf of our brothers and sisters in this special need in Florida, but we're also believing for God to touch you. We're also believing for this to activate the miraculous in a new way. We're also believing that God would activate the prophetic, that we would be in a more keen sensitivity to hear his direction and to know what is his direction as opposed to what our our own emotional beliefs are or our own assessments are in the mind. And that's, uh, that's why you judge prophecy, the Scripture tells us to do. So we need that. And we've talked about needing to hear more clearly. We've talked about needing to be more sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. And so I believe that this is a week chosen by God. It's separated by two segments of three days. Uh, we're asking you to understand that these two appointments are for a purpose, that, that we need to fast, to submit ourselves to the Lord uh, as, as a point of humility. Uh, you, you can afflict yourself, as it were, recognizing the timing, recognizing the task at hand, recognizing the need to e exhibit meekness, and recognizing even that that wonder of being able to sing at the breakthrough, which was, again, part of our last seminar. When barrenness is broken, there's a rejoicing and a singing and a shouting. That's part of this word, afflict. And um, so let's do that throughout this week. And let's be sensitive to the Lord for what He wants of you. And let's, let's know that God has ordained this. So here you have Ezra at that important timing. I believe we're in an important signature moment in the timetable of God. And Ezra said, I gathered the people, and there were all kinds of people coming. There was, there was, there was treasure. There were treasures coming. And he noted there, and we've already mentioned this, that there weren't a good enough representation of the sons of Levi. 
we need to submit ourselves that we would be of that order of Melchizedek, that priestly order that our Lord Jesus gave to us, to make sure that is active among us during this time and going forth from this time. And you remember the, the discussion between Melchizedek and Abram and how Melchizedek came, the priest of, uh, of Salem, and he was the king of righteousness. And he said, blessed be Abraham, friend of the Most High, the possessor, that one that was devoted to the jealousy of Elion, the, je the jealousy of the Most High. That is the priestly capacity that we need to embody as we serve our Father. And, you know, I see ourselves in so many ways in these. And um, I, I know that God is, is ordaining this moment. So, again, let's go before the Lord and ask him what he would require of us in fasting for this first three-day period. And then you may, if you want to, be led of the Spirit. You may do that type of fast throughout the whole week. Or you may say, I'm going to fast to this first segment, and then I'm going to ask the Spirit to guide me to what he wants for those next three days. Let's do that before the Lord. And in fact, the way we're going to conclude this time this morning is I'm going to ask you before you leave this place to go before the Lord and to ask him to direct you through this week. Ask him to make clear or, or at least invite him to welcome his spirit to make clear to you what he wants from you. And he may tell you immediately. But it's important that we ask. So often when I ask God for something, um, he answers me through the day. Sometimes he answers me immediately. Sometimes I don't think I'm hearing right, and he waits until I absolutely have to know, and then boom, it comes. So don't be, don't be uh, discouraged if when you're praying, well, I left and I didn't hear anything. That's not what this is about. This is a point of accepting this, this directive that, that is from God. I know that it is. And we, we leave this place engaged in what he's requiring of this people. The final thing I want to say is that I know that we have a number of our Saints Network uh, family who are joining with us. You live in many different places around the world. You are welcome to join with us in this because we're all in this together. Pray, fast, seek the Lord, submit yourself to him. Uh, you, can, you can spend time before the Lord in both of those time frames. Uh, I know in Europe and in India, it's a little bit different because you're hours ahead of us. But, you know, I, I heard uh, when the Mavericks were playing in the, in the playoffs, and Luka Doncic was, was playing for the Mavericks, that there were people all through Slovenia that were setting their clock in the early hours of the morning to get up to watch that game. And there was even a, a, a group of grandmothers. And I, grandmothers aren't as old as I used to think they were. Um, neither are grandfathers. But there were a group of people that, amen, Ruth, Rose, the boys aren't in here, but I should have heard an amen out of that row. 
Um, you know, <laughs> but, but they set their clock. There was a group, of, and they would call one another and make sure they were awake uh, to watch that guy. So those of you in, uh, in those time zones, if you want to set your clock and get up and pray with us at that time, do it. Of course, in the, on Saturday, it won't be as, as uh, challenging, but on Wednesday, it, it will be. It'll be into Thursday morning for you. But anyway, this is what the Lord has. And uh, I think that throughout this entire day, the, the announcements have been made. You're going to have reminders. This is the word that is coming to enforce it. But um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to just you can spend as long as you want. You can spend five minutes. You can spend 30 minutes. But submit yourself to this process and tell the Lord you're willing to do this and you want to hear from him as to what he wants you to do. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time frame. I thank you that even in the midst of us saying this, we learn some things from the Word, and that's something that we made a, a gladly. We heard from you, and we said that every time we come to this house, we want to learn something from the Word that we've not known before. And I thank you for once again doing that. And so we embark on this week, this prophetic week, and we thank you for this opportunity to partner with you in this. And we ask you now, Lord, to initiate this time frame from this morning right now and uh, let us enjoy your presence every minute of the day. Let what we do be pleasing in your sight. And we ask you that you would share with us how you want us to be fasting and that you, you would guide us, that you would guard over us, and that you would use us. We believe, Father, that this is your time frame. So we commit ourselves to it. I speak blessing over everyone in this place and into the great group of folks that join with us throughout the week. May God bless all of us, and, and may he bless each of you as we partner with him in this way. And now, Lord, as we seek your face, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, uh, that you would cause us to be empowered by you to intercede throughout this week, not just fast, even though that's vital, but to intercede along with it and to listen to what you say. Let this be a delightsome week in every way. This is your timing. And we're grateful for it, Father. What a delight to be in your service at this time frame. So let this be established now. We thank you for it. And we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's, you can sit there and pray. You can lay on your face and pray. You can kneel if you want to. You can stand and pray. If there are any other <laughs> ways you can convey prayer, you're welcome to do that too. But before you leave, commit yourself to this and submit yourself to be able to hear from God as to what he would require. Amen? Amen. 
All right, let's do that.